No, I had that thought too. I was like, what is the effect of Corona gonna be on cheek kisses? Cause I need those to still exist after this. <laughs> Hey everyone, my name is Sarah. Welcome to Friendly Faces Amazing Places, a podcast where each week I share stories from real people I've met while traveling. Everything from horror stories to inspiring adventures to insightful tips and advice. So sit back, fasten your seatbelt, and come explore the world with me and my friends. Welcome back everybody to the podcast. Today's guest is Sarah. And yes, I know what you're thinking, Sarah, you couldn't find anyone else to interview because you're a loner, so you interviewed yourself. No, this is not the case. I, in fact, know other Sarahs. It's great. So this week, I interviewed my friend Sarah, who I met while traveling South America. One thing that I really respect about Sarah is her love of learning. She taught me a lot about Chile while we were there and its political climate, but we also shared a lot of really fun times together, which you're going to hear about. She's a great wing woman on a night out, and she's a really, really smart, amazing traveler. Enjoy the episode. Welcome, Sarah, to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you on because um, we have the same name, and also you are a very cool person who I met while traveling. Can you please introduce yourself? Yeah, uh, my name is Sarah, as you said, great name, 10 out of 10, and I'm from Minneapolis, Minnesota, but we met in Santiago, Chile, um, after I had been there for a semester studying abroad, and before my second semester, that was going to be in Argentina, that was cut short because of the global pandemic that you might have heard. <laughs> you might have heard about it. <laughs> yeah, just to add to the craziness of that, I, I was supposed to be in Santiago for two semesters, but my program was canceled because of the protests. So you could say I was asked to leave two different countries in the last nine months. Can you tell me what is something you'd recommend people to see if they traveled to your home? Minneapolis is actually amazing. We have a lot of lakes and so you can't avoid them because they're like very in the city as well. And so just walking around the lakes, biking around the lakes, staying up paddle boarding on the lake, boating on the lake. I'm hearing lake country. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Land of 10,000 lakes. Uh-huh. <laughs> So, we already discussed a little bit how we met in a hostel in Santiago, and then we actually hung out in Argentina, too. That's the best thing about people you meet, is that, yes, you're usually meeting for a short amount of time, but you never know where that could go, and so then we met up in Argentina, now we're doing this podcast, like, you just never know, and in all those individual moments, I had such a good time. And who knows what good times we'll have in the future. What kind of traveler are you? I'm a slow traveler. I really prefer staying in places for a long time. And that's why study abroad was really good for me. But in between my study abroad, I had three months. And so I solo traveled quite a bit. And even that, I did a little bit slower than the average solo traveler. But it wasn't my favorite Yeah, I prefer to live somewhere and really get to know instead of just being there for a few days. I think I'm more like that too, but I I fluctuate. Sometimes I want to just like go see it all and some days I just want to like relax and have a place that I can temporarily call home. Have you always traveled and 
If not, when did you start? Yeah, my parents, they both had international experiences before I was born, and we even went to Brazil, actually, before my brother was born. So the world was definitely introduced to me early on, and for some reason, it really clicked. Like, I would have been able to tell you for years and years and years that I want to travel, I want to live abroad, I want to speak other languages. My brother, he's the biggest homebody ever, but (laughs) has the same parents, obviously. So I think it's truly something innate within me that has that as a priority. Um, so speaking of languages, what languages do you speak? After 10 years of studying, I can now tell you that I am pretty decent at Spanish. You are. You are. I've I've witnessed it. You're a very good Spanish speaker. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> but yeah, so I've gotten good enough at Spanish where I could think about learning other languages, but I haven't mastered Spanish at all. So, and now I'm not living in a Spanish-speaking country, so who knows yeah, what will happen. Hard. Are there any languages that you want to learn in the future? Because I'm bad, I feel like it has to be a romance language just so I can at least use some of what I've already learned. But also maybe Farsi or something. Like, Mm -hmm. who knows? I had a really strong desire to learn Arabic when I was like 13 or 14. I don't know why. It just came out of nowhere. And my mom was like, no, you should learn Spanish instead because I don't want you ending up in a job where you have to go to the Middle East. Like, I was like Mm. 13. And I wanted to learn Arabic, and my mom was like a little bit anti-Muslim. I was like, cool. (laughs) (laughs) That's a a good topic. Like the amount of times I've told people I'm going X place, and they're like, Mm -hmm. oh, that's dangerous, that's dangerous, but they have no concept of it at all is really interesting. Um, And I even (laughs) met a traveler who was in South America alone. Like, doing the thing. We were in Ecuador, I think. And she was talking about all the countries she was going to. But then was like, but I'm not going to Brazil. I would never go to Brazil. And I'm like, how do all these other countries meet your safety parameters but not Brazil? I don't know. I feel like everyone has that. And it's just so random. And it's based on a story that they heard once. And they just assume it for the rest of their life. It's super true. I went to Mexico my sophomore spring break and my parents were like you gotta be so safe everyone even my even I had um oh god this didn't mean to bring this up my ex's family is Mexican and even they were like don't go by yourself I went by myself I was fine the next year my whole family wanted to go to Mexico we all went to Mexico (laughs) for spring break and they were like this is amazing but it's just yeah it's ridiculous it's it's you go and you're like this is not at all what I what I had heard. Okay, so what do you do when you're not traveling? I study international development. Awesome. Do you have a favorite place overall that you've been to? So I've lived in Santiago. I've lived in rural Spain. Loved both of them so much, especially Santiago. Mm -hmm. But I think... Cuenca, Ecuador, like really captured a piece of my heart that I wasn't expecting. Mm -hmm. And it's just so adorable, super safe, super welcoming. I felt really comfortable Mm -hmm. there right away. And the only con of it is that a lot of other foreigners have learned that as well. So there's a huge expat community 
And so you can almost go the whole time speaking English because these old expats move there and don't speak Spanish and never learn. So that was interesting, like seeing English speakers and Spanish speakers interact and coffee shops on the street and stuff. But I loved it. Like I would happily spend some time there. Let's get into around the world in 20 questions. Plan it or wing it? Loosely plan. Solo travel or group travel? Two-person travel. (laughs) Are you a heavy packer or a light packer? Light packer. Beach or mountains? Mountain. Desert or rainforest? Rainforest. Cities or nature? Uh, cities. What is your favorite food from traveling? Okay, so my favorite food in general is ramen and udon. Mm -hmm. And in Cuenca, there's an amazing ramen and udon shop. And I was so excited to find I, like, walked in right after I had had lunch because I was just walking by. And I was like... Um, are you serious right now and sat down and had a second lunch immediately because I just needed that so badly Um, but of course the guy who owned it was from the U.S. but had he was a navy brat so had been raised for a while in Japan and his wife was Indonesian and they had married somewhere else but had eventually moved to Cuenca and she has a son who's also Indonesian and then they adopted a Venezuelan so super yeah super international story really like exemplifies Cuenca quite well but the food was absolutely incredible and really just awesome dining experience also have you ever been to seattle we have so much ramen here (laughs) i don't think i've been there since my passion for udon has started what is your favorite drink or beverage i think you share this passion with me (laughs) but a pisco sour (laughs) can you explain what it is yeah so pisco is a type of alcohol that's very chilean and Peruvian and so it's always the cheapest drink the cheapest way to get it is with coca-cola and pisco or with uh like seven up ceramist sprite piscolas and pisco blancos but then a slight step up actually well a slight step up in price but a big step up in taste is a pisco sour which is egg white lime or lemon depending on which country you're in um amaretto sour ice and it's excellent really smooth always tastes good no matter where you are now that i'm in the u.s not that i'm going out to bars because everyone stay at home yep. but i don't know what i'll order because pisco sours if they have them are gonna be really expensive like are they gonna have imported pisco and is it going to be as good i did call so the local did you call the bars <laughs> No, (laughs) the local liquor store is doing deliveries and I called them and I was like, do you have Pisco? And he was like, what? And I was like, Pisco, you know, for Pisco sours, like it's Chilean, Peruvian. And he was like, I honestly don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) But this was like a very local liquor store. So I still have hopes for, you know, bigger ones, but. What is the longest flight you've been on? I've done the Santiago 
Dallas and Atlanta, Buenos Aires. On a plane, would you rather sit next to a really smelly person or a crying baby? A crying baby because, yeah, it's just a little baby. Like, you can't really control a baby. But what you can control is your personal hygiene. I have listed here the 10 most visited cities of 2019. I just want you to say if you've been and if you recommend it. So number one is Bangkok. Nope. Paris? I need to go back because I went with my family and I was like, city of love? This city just smells bad. London. Again, went with my family on the same trip and my favorite parts of the city were chain restaurants mm. such as Go Sushi, Wagamama's, Nando's, also arguably incredible. Dubai. Never been. Singapore? Never been. Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. Never been. Uh, New York City. Been once. Um, also need to go again because I went with my aunt who had recently come into a lot of money. So she was treating my family, which oh. was incredible of her. So incredible. So we were able to do Broadway shows and mm -hmm. stuff like that. But the only con was that we stayed in Times Square which I'm sure was so much money and was something I'll never do again. But walking through Times Square at least twice a day, maybe four times a day, was horrid. Yeah. And so I need to go again and stay in, like, a cooler place. And I think I would have a better view of New York City. Istanbul. Ooh, never been, but that's, like, high up on my list. Uh, this next one... Ramen, udon, it's got everything. Tokyo. I have not been, <laughs> but I would give a lot to go. <laughs> and number 10 is Antalya, Turkey. No, never been. Okay, for the gram or for the fam? I definitely barely post on Instagram, but I also barely text photos to my parents. What is the coolest historical thing you've seen? All across Ecuador, there was a ton of different communities and cultures and it's pretty well documented to my understanding like the ones that fought against the Incans were the one that ones that were best preserved because if they fought against the Incans when the Spaniards came they worked with the Spaniards oh. to take down the Incans I'm definitely gonna miss them but it's like the Cañades the Otavaleños um those are like the main two that I visited, but there's still spaces that show their pre-Incan organization and their pre-Incan burial traditions and stuff like that. So just thinking that far back was really cool to me. Skydiving or scuba diving? Scuba diving. Would you rather have a hot one night stand or a week long travel romance that fizzles out? A week long because I am all about the short-term moments where you just get to experience that person, learn about that person, mm -hmm. and learn from that person. And then it's over, which is maybe is sad, but also I tend to be just grateful that it happened. If you could take a date anywhere, where would you take them? Oh my gosh, this is cringy. But in comparison to like Runyon Canyon in LA, there's San Cristobal in Santiago. Mm -hmm. And I think it would be a like enjoyable date to 
go hiking and then i know like a good ice cream place really close to the bottom of it walking tour or going rogue going rogue what is one essential thing you always pack other than like your passport your phone what is something you need i have these pants really comfy i could wear them so long (laughs) without them smelling or getting dirty if you could live anywhere in the world and money wasn't an issue where would you live right now i'm really itching for mexico city Awesome. So travel for some people is just a vacation and for others it's a lifestyle. What role does travel play in your life? I love learning and the way that you can learn in a different place is totally different. What you learn interacting with people and what you learn by looking at their choices in the grocery store mm-hmm. is just really fascinating to me and I love that. What impact has travel had on you as a person? Most travelers would say that they're way more open-minded and the people that you meet while traveling are already more likely to be on a like non-linear or not expected mm-hmm. life path. Beyond that, I also am definitely better at stress management management not only do I feel a lot of stress when I'm waiting for a random bus somewhere and then I get on the bus and it's still like am I on the right bus I don't know I'm alone and no one can confirm this for me (laughs) but also the great the like bigger things happening beyond me like I was there for the start of the protests in Mm -hmm. Chile and so all of a sudden every single day would be different like if the metro was running if the buses were running if school was gonna have like if my college was gonna have classes all of these factors were totally unknown and then in Argentina like slowly the coronavirus spreading and getting worse and the Argentinian government taking different actions than the Mm -hmm. U.S. So I feel like I have gotten a lot better with dealing with the stress that happens like way beyond me. I think one of the scariest but one of the most interesting things is being in a different country when something starts to go on with their whole country. And even just uh, this whole corona thing, it was interesting to be outside the U.S. when it was going down because I think we get so insulated in the U.S. with all the U.S. media. If I had been in the U.S., I would have been frustrated by Mm -hmm. Trump's policies, but especially living in Argentina because the Argentinian government shut down group group activities weeks before... Trump did and they also shut down the reason the real reason why I left when I did was I left on a Saturday night and that Monday the Argentinian government wasn't allowing any flights in from the U.S. or Mm -hmm. out from the U.S. and they were strongly recommending for any U.S. citizens and people from Spain and Italy and Iran and like the hot countries Mm -hmm. to leave. And so, yeah, when a government asks me to leave, I leave. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, Even if my own government doesn't give a shit. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so when you travel, how do you decide where to go? Sometimes I feel like I messed up. Like, sometimes I look back and I'm like, wow, I would have done it differently. My first time solo traveling was in lima peru okay and i say lima because i was only in lima for Mm -hmm. two weeks and any any traveler would tell you that's too much Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
And I did something cool every single day. Like, I went to different museums. I tried out this, did that. But I should have planned more going on weekend trips and taking the bus places. Mm -hmm. But I was just so new at it that I didn't even know that you could really do that. And that would be a thing most people did. The hostels I stayed in were Mm -hmm. empty. I don't know why. But I would say that as I've traveled more places, I've gotten better at googling the place finding the blogs that have been written about it looking at TripAdvisor doing that and actually finding what fits best with me and what I actually want to do and some like a lot of times that is not the top five TripAdvisor things but it Mm -hmm. is on blogs. Do you have any money saving tips for the listeners? I would always get free breakfast with my hostel and then I would make enough meals at home where going out to a restaurant wouldn't feel like I wouldn't feel guilty for that at all and Mm -hmm. that's an experience I would really want yeah and same with activities like I never did anything that was super expensive but if I knew I wanted to go ziplining or something I would like that day I wouldn't spend other stuff Mm -hmm. and the average amount per day I based off like my goal, I based off a blog called Nomadic Matt. He has like in Ecuador, it like as a basic budget traveler, you're likely to spend $45 a day. So mm-hmm. then I would just try and make it that or under. Do you have any safety tips? I never went out alone at night. Because sometimes I think it would have been fine and other times 100% would not have been fine. And when I was with people, I would go out, which I feel fine about. I know that's a little extra for some people, but I was happy to have that rule for myself. Yeah. Do you have a worst mishap or a travel horror story that you want to share? Yeah, going back to Lima, I would... That was honestly my, like, travel mishap. I feel... I learned... I enjoyed my time, and I saw things that I wouldn't have otherwise seen if I hadn't been there so long. But, yeah, it wasn't great. I literally think I had a I'm new to traveling look on my face Mm -hmm. because I was catcalled so much and way more than any other city, any other place. I had a few situations in Lima where men tried to take advantage of me and that didn't happen at all after Lima. So Mm -hmm. I literally think I just had to find my solo travel confidence legs so lima was honestly weird for me and all of my travel mishaps happened in lima so yeah but i learned from them so yeah what's a pet peeve you have about other travelers i think all travelers have had the interaction where you're sitting at breakfast or something in the hostel and you start talking to someone and you just they're just annoying and because they think that just because they're traveling or they've been traveling for 12 months and they're just going until they run out of money and they've Mm -hmm. been to every country in South America or whatever it is or they're biking like whatever (laughs) they think makes them cooler than the rest of us is simply not the case and they're just (laughs) annoying just stay humble, people. Just stay humble. <laughs> it's true, yeah. And there's there's a difference between giving a travel suggestion and giving a comparison of if you've been somewhere that someone else hasn't. Yeah, travelers can be a little bit... We're all... We're open-minded, but some of us are still pretty judgmental. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, 
Do you encounter any struggles with keeping yourself healthy and what keeps you going when that happens? Yeah, I experienced more anxiety traveling, solo traveling than I think I ever have. And like the Mm -hmm. example I gave before, it would be waiting for a bus and then I'd be on that bus and I wouldn't be 100% sure it was the right bus. And just situations like that, which are anxiety provoking, but a lot of these travelers that we were talking about before would be like oh bro like you just don't know where you're going and like that's okay um whereas I'm not like that at all so yeah I definitely cried to my mom on the phone a few times and I told her that 80% of the time I loved it so much like I loved being able to choose whatever I wanted I loved all of these different things, and 20% of the time, I would hate it. With my entire soul, I would hate it, hate it, hate it, hate it, hate it, and hate all the decisions I have to make, hate being alone all the time, like, blah, blah, blah. And there's one time in particular where I had gone off the bus, I was in a new city, I had saved the map on my phone, so I walked to the hostel, I get to the hostel, and the, um like receptionist person is one of those like hey bra like what are you doing today bra <laughs> and the hostel is huge and has so many people in it and my room is dirty and I like it wasn't a panic attack but it was like the worst I've felt in a long time and I like that was one of the 20% where I just hated it mm-hmm. but I just I called my mom I watched Netflix in my dirty ass room And then I felt better and then I went outside and it was a nice place and I ended up meeting a lot of people that I liked in that hostel and they had really good breakfast. So it just like I would say just like let the waves happen of like bad Mm -hmm. to good and try to be grateful for the good things because you always have so many things to be grateful about especially if you're traveling solo and so Yeah, and also I wouldn't, sometimes I would get really overwhelmed by the decisions I had to make, so I used an 8-ball app on my phone a lot. Whoa, that's so funny. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I totally agree with that. I I had a similar experience. I had bought a flight to Santiago like two days before I left because I had applied for a job in Colombia And I hadn't heard back in the time that I was supposed to hear back. And so I was like, they don't like me. I'm super depressed here. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go to Chile and figure out my life from there. And I was, I was in a a deep, like, anxiety spiral. I get to the airport to get on my plane and I'm at my gate and I was late to get to my gate, first of all. So I was anxious because it took me a little while to get through security and everything. And then I get there and I get an email that I'm offered the job and I'm like, I'm standing in the airport deciding whether to get on a plane or to go back and take this job. And I'm like, I just don't think I want to stay here and take this job. But like, I just bought like a $400 flight out of nowhere. Like, what am I doing? And I like just called everyone who would see to see who would pick up and like help me make this decision. And finally, uh, one of my friends answered and was like, hey. Just get on the plane and wait a couple days and then decide if you want the job, you know? And I was like, oh, cool. So I got on the plane and I flew to Santiago and it was, I'm never flying Jet Smart again. It was a horrible flight. And I got into Santiago super late, took me forever to get my bag. They like, 
there's this huge line. It was just one of those days where you just, everything goes wrong. And then I got in this super expensive taxi to go to the hostel and I show up at the hostel and it's dark and I'm not very good at Spanish and the receptionist mostly only spoke Spanish. And I finally get into my room and somebody's in my bed and he won't move. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to take whatever bed is open. And I just, I didn't even, I couldn't, didn't want to turn on the light. I couldn't find my locker. So I just put all my stuff like next to my bed and I had the top bunk, which is the worst. I hate the top bunk. <laughs> and I just laid down and like curled up in my sweaty clothes because it's hot there. And I just fell asleep. And then I woke up in the morning and I was like, you know what? I might just go back to the airport and go back to Columbia. And I went downstairs and I met um, a different receptionist, Jean, and he just really made my day. I went and got some breakfast. I sat down. I met some people and I was like, everything's gonna be okay and it just yeah it happens it comes in waves you you have a bad day and then the next day you're just fine and yeah yeah so that's my story that's a low low like that's a long low I I never had a low that lasted more than six hours so cheers to you for getting through that and getting on that plane because then if you hadn't got on that plane we never would have met I know. I met so many people in Chile. I'm. It's one of the best decisions I've ever made, honestly. So, um, I have a question here that is, who is the most interesting person you have met? So, my family visited me in Santiago. So, we went to San Pedro de Atacama, which is a mm-hmm. super small town in the desert of Atacama. Basically, you have to have a guide and a tour company to go there because all the Mm -hmm. points of interest are 40 minutes two hours into the desert the guide that happened to be the person was this guy named Antel we didn't sign up for private tours but we ended up being the only family on most of the tours and I think each member of my family would say Antel is the love of their life because he was just so cool. He was attractive, but that's not the main part of it. Um, he was an anthropologist and so was able to explain these different parts in the desert. So like we would drive by a pile of rocks and he'd be like, that pile of rocks lines up perfectly with the sun on July 4th, which then casts a shadow on this mountain, which tells this story of the people that were here. And, like, I don't really have a good concept of time, but, like, we're talking, like, pre-Stone Age. The years, he would say, were just absolutely (laughs) insane. And then my family would, like, low-key test him on his knowledge base. So we would be, like oh yeah, like there's a professional basketball team in Minnesota. And he'd be like, oh yeah, the Timberwolves, right? And we'd be like, fuck. Oh my God. And then, yeah. And then um, we would be like, yeah, there's a problem with wolves and deer population in Minnesota. And he'd be like, yeah, blah, blah, blah. I know all about it. And so we like literally kept trying to bring up things that he would not know about. And he knew oh about God. all of them. And not even like in a way that was like, oh yeah, I've heard about that. But like actually had like 
could the have most a full educated man alive. <laughs> yeah, no, and he was absolutely incredible. I could talk about this man all day, clearly. He studied anthropology in Mexico mm-hmm. and then he didn't have enough money to fly back to Chile. So he rode a bike from Mexico to, to Chile. Chile. Oh my yeah. god. And the whole time he was working and meeting people and all this stuff. And so he's like, I've also had every single job you can think of. Like, I was a farmer. I was a laundry person. I was a, like, a lobster like a caught lobster. lobsters <laughs> i like I a don't lobster know. fisherman like <laughs> yeah yeah that type of thing and was just yeah amazing what are some of the most significant cultural differences you have experienced this is a very broad statement but i think in general south americans are more open than people from the u.s mm-hmm. and I'm not a super, I am like open talking to people, but I'm not super touchy feely. I'm not Mm -hmm. super sentimental. And, but I am now fully on board with the cheek (laughs) kiss as a greeting. I am more okay with PDA than I was before. And because I think it's quite beautiful, the amount of connection you can feel earlier on because of that little cultural change, like to the point where I'm watching TV shows and I'll be like, wait, why didn't they cheat kiss when they saw each other for the first time? And I'll be like, oh, that's because no like this is an American TV show. Like they wouldn't do that. (laughs) Now that you say it, I remember. Yeah getting cheek kissed a lot but now it's it's inconceivable to me because of corona i'm like i can't go anywhere near anyone's cheeks no i had that thought too i was like what is the effect of corona gonna be on cheek kisses because i need those to still exist after this (laughs) what is a the biggest lesson or takeaway that you have from your travels? I think the most formative experience I had while abroad was the major 2019 protest starting in Chile while I was there. Like, it's fascinating to me. I'm now writing an honors thesis about it. The ability for the population to collectively organize in the Mm -hmm. way they did is really inspiring and wouldn't take place in the U.S. at all. Like most Chileans and most protesters would be able to say that they are fighting against neoliberal policies, which is really interesting to me because I went to college, learned what neoliberalism is, learned how bad or like how it negatively affects almost everyone on the planet and especially people in the U.S., but Mm -hmm. didn't make the next step of being like, okay, I don't agree with all of this. What am I going to do to stop this from happening or not be a part of this process? In the U.S., that step is not taught at all. Mm -hmm. But in Chile, they all can be like the I'm against the neoliberal model of education, of Mm -hmm. water, of pension system, of all these things. And that's really powerful to me. It was the first time I lived with the amount of uncertainty that I did of not knowing when or where protests were going to be, not knowing when and where cops were going to show up, which made everything worse all of the time. (laughs) A lot of people live with that amount of uncertainty every day. It's just not something that I 
as a well-off person living in the United States experience. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was also really formative to me. Can you talk about a little bit more about what it was like specifically being in Chile during the protests? I mean, I was there, they were still protesting every week, but it wasn't as big as it was when it started. And I remember just everything would shut down on Friday afternoon and you just really wanted to avoid certain places so that you wouldn't feel the gas or um, run into the police. And I'm sure it was a lot different when you were there at the beginning. Can you just talk about like as a traveler or as a person in a foreign city, what what it was like? I relied really heavily on social media and the people I followed on Instagram to learn about why people were protesting about everything. And that was really interesting and important to me. But basically, you had to avoid all of downtown after 4 p.m. on every single day of the week. But I was never scared of the protesters. I was Mm -hmm. only scared of the Pacos showing up and Mm -hmm. the violence that they bring. So I lived in a province called Ninoa. And so there's a plaza there that I would, like, the Pacos never showed up there. And I would go there occasionally. And it would always be people banging pots and pans, all ages, people playing drums, all these different signs. And it was super incredible to be part of. And I also went to the super, super big protest that was 2 million people. That was on a Friday. Yeah, so I like got my feet wet in the protesting world, but it also felt weird because it wasn't my fight. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't want to take up too much space. But I watched it happen on TV, and that was another big part of it. What the TV was saying was completely different than what social media was saying. So yeah, it really felt like a separation between the government and the people and the government controlling the newspapers and the tv stations and the people controlling social media and the radio it was awesome to be part of like i feel really grateful to have seen history be made like that and i did get caught up in things a few times but never horribly When I was there, one of the things that was most surprising to me was when I went to the protest, it felt more like, like there was the front lines of people who were like fighting with the police. And then after that, it was kind of more like a parade or not a celebration because they were protesting, but there were like dancers and there were people selling food and selling like wares and there were performances and bands and people dressed up as like superheroes like it was just so I feel like in the U.S. the only kinds of um, protests we have are either they get really violent really fast or they're just like like the women's march like everyone just walks through the city and then it's you know it's just a day where we just do that but there it's just like a weekly celebration of like not only protests but also gathering and performing and It was really cool, really cool to witness for me. I was told by a lot of Chileans that protesting is part of being Chilean and that Mm -hmm. it's common and to have strikes at universities and at high schools are really common and that's like part of the Chilean way. But really when you look at it and now I am looking at it with my honors thesis is 
there hadn't been protests post-dictatorship, so, like, 1990, until Mm -hmm. 2006. And so there's an entire generation post-dictatorship that didn't protest. And so it's really interesting that these protests have now started again, and Mm -hmm. Chileans still view it as something that they are passionate about and do, and part of their culture where they celebrate it. Awesome. I love hearing your insights on this. Um, Wrapping up here, do you think travel is for everyone? No. I think everyone's level of comfort is really different, and... I encourage everyone to travel, like, even if you aren't super comfortable, and even, I th- I think even if you go and stay in an all-inclusive resort in Jamaica or something, which is probably, like, definitely bad for their economy and definitely not, like, doesn't feel like real traveling, I feel mm-hmm. like stepping out of your normal zone is still better than doing nothing and Mm -hmm. even for our age people like if you if you don't if you're not comfortable staying at shitty hostels and not comfortable traveling like in the way we did I still would encourage people to do spring break in Mexico and like do that alone and that those two weeks Mm -hmm. would be transformative in a way and you can stay at nice places because you're only doing two weeks so I would say try and get out there, but being aware of your comfort level and not pushing those boundaries too much. I totally agree. So yes, then I changed my answer. (laughs) Where are you going next when Corona is hopefully over and we get to travel again? I have one year left of school and then post-grad, I truly want to move to Mexico City. Mm -hmm. Do I know... If that's possible, no. Do I know that I can't, like, that I'll have anything lined up for me in Mexico City? No. Do I know I can afford that? No. (laughs) But that's my dream. (laughs) And I tend to make my dreams happen, if not in the exact way I pictured it, in a different way. So we'll see what happens. That's like the most inspiring sentence. I tend to make my dreams happen. And since this podcast is for fellow travelers out there, if you could recommend one place in the world that you have to see in your lifetime, what would you recommend? I'm going to say Chile in general because a lot of people overlook it. Santiago is a little bit out of the way. All of Chile really is a little bit out of the way. But if you go to Valparaiso, if you go to the Chilean side of Patagonia, if you go to Santiago, if you go to the desert, you go to the Andes Mountains, all incredible, all worth it. And don't skip Chile on your South American travels. Do you want to share your Instagram or anything for people to look at travel photos? As I said before, I don't really post on my Instagram very much, <laughs> but it's Sarah K. Burn, Sarah with an H, Burn, B Y R N. Or if you're a cool person, <laughs> and I guess you can slide it to my DMs on a friends only basis. <laughs> All right, so that pretty much wraps it up for today. Sarah, my namesake my twin from the Twin Cities. It was so great to have you on. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. This was awesome. I hope that, like, I I feel like I would be able to learn from other people's interviews, so maybe someone can take something away from this. So, yeah, super happy to be here. Thank you for inviting me. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of Friendly Faces, Amazing Places. If you'd like to see pictures from my guests' travels, go ahead and check out our Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube channels. And if you want to stay up to date on future upcoming episodes, please follow and subscribe. Woo!